So 1 Corinthians 12 and then from 14 as well. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, that, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In chapter 14, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he, us, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Amen. Uh, do you want to have those verses uh, in front of you? They are handy, and they will uh, be something that we'll refer to off and on. Um, today is, a, I suppose, a bit of an overview, um, as it has been o- over this series that we've been doing. If you're new with us today, um, you've come at a good time. We're, we're doing a little series, a mini-series, uh, entitled When You Come Together. And uh, it's really about examining um, those, those core, um, I suppose, practices or commitments uh, that, that, that will come out when we gather together. So it's all about what we do when we get together. And uh, there's a little slide here. Yes, there you go. So you can see we're on week four uh, at the moment. We've already examined the Word of God, the sacraments, and belonging, you know, how, how, to, how to belong to the body of Christ. And, uh, and so today then sort of marks, I suppose, the turn. We're, we're going from the, what is traditionally known as the ordinary means of grace, you know, God's ordinary way that he strengthens and grows the church through the word and the sacraments and through membership. Um, and then we're moving into what we could describe as the extraordinary means of grace. Um, and so I'll explain what that means as we, as we go on. But today we're going to be looking at this topic of revelation, revelatory gifts. And then uh, in, in two weeks' time, then the gift of healing specifically. And then finally, tongues, hands and hearts, sort of everything uh, in, in together that uh, we didn't get a chance to catch on. Okay, so that's that. Great, when you come together. Um, and so today we're looking at the topic of revelation, and we're going to ask ourselves four very basic questions. Number one, what is it? Okay. Number two, what does it do? Number three, um, how does it come to us? And number four, what are the steps? So what is it? What does it do? How does it come to us? And what are the steps to, to doing Revelation, all right? Um, and uh, let's, let's just learn together. I don't know what your background is and, and uh, you know, your, your understanding when we come to this sort of part of the Scripture. Maybe you're coming from a, uh, you know, a type of church or background where the, these things are normal and ordinary. And, and, and I hope that today is just going to uh, shore up some of your understanding from the Scriptures as well. Uh, but maybe, like me, you're sort of coming from a, a, a church background that doesn't typically talk about these things and hasn't maybe embraced, embraced them or maybe even more uh, strongly has sort of rejected them. And again, I just hope that, that as we open ourselves to the Scriptures here, that we'll, we'll come to, uh, you know, um, understand a little more about the, the gifts that God has 
for his church. We're not going to understand everything today, right? This is an overview, this is an introduction. And hopefully, through some of these resources that we're giving out and your own study as well, um, you'll come to a greater and deeper understanding of, of what we're talking about. But anyway, this is the starter. So what is revelation or revelatory gifts as we are going to sort of refer to them as? Well, um, here's my little definition. Revelatory gifts are uh, those things that reveal God's mind to his church and often in extraordinary ways uh, so, so that they are immediately re- relevant and impactful on the hearers. Okay? So a re- revealing of God's mind, often in an extraordinary ways, in a way that is immediately relevant and impactful on the hearers. I'll explain a little more. It's kind of a general term, right? a bit of a catch-all term uh, for a few of these things. And, and as we were seeing last week, this gift is part of the variety of gifts that God, through the Holy Spirit, gives to his church to strengthen her. And so that, as we were seeing last week, uh, we might uh, you know, declare the excellencies of God uh, even better, with even more vigor and power and influence. And so that's what we want. right? We're a church on mission, a community on mission. And so let's, let's listen to uh, the words of Scripture. So, uh, what are these uh, revelatory gifts? Well, um, Sarah read to us there's a few key sections in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. So we can see there in in verse 7, the first verse on your sheet, uh, to each is given, this is Paul talking to the church, the Apostle Paul, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, manifestation means, you know, the showing of the Spirit, the sign of the Spirit's presence in the church. So to each person is given at least one, uh, gift from the Holy Spirit to show his presence in the church, uh, you know, to show his filling of his people. And therefore, I think, because of this, uh, we as God's people can expect to see showings of the Spirit in these dramatic and remarkable ways, in addition to these wonderful, ordinary means of grace that we've been learning about. And so uh, Paul lists out a few uh, of these gifts in verses 8 through 11. Uh, the list, by the way, is not, um, it's not it. He's just giving a, a description. He's giving an overview. Probably the gifts that he sees in the church in Corinth that he's writing to. There are more gifts in addition to this. We know that. Um, but, you know, he gives us some, some stuff to chew on here. And, and some of those gifts that Sarah's read for us are what we can describe as, as, as revelatory gifts. Some of them, not all of them. So let's examine um, some examples Uh, In verse 8, Paul writes, To one is given, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. Again, these are descriptive. He doesn't uh, define what they actually mean. Um, But it seems to be, uh, suggests to me anyway, some kind of Spirit-empowered awareness or insight that otherwise an individual wouldn't know uh, that God has given, God has granted, over and above generally just being a wise person, right, or a person who has knowledge because of reading. So a sudden, I suppose, spirit-empowered awareness or insight that would otherwise not have been known. I think that's what Paul is getting at here when he talks of, um, you know, uh, utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge. Where one begins and the other ends, it's hard to say. He doesn't, he doesn't specify. Um, here's a great example from uh, Charles Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher of the Victorian era, one of the greatest of his generation, um, in, in London, great, great minister of the gospel. Many thousands of people came to faith in Jesus. And actually, in his autobiography, it's two volumes, and uh, in his autobiography, he actually um, includes the, the um, uh, story of a young man who went to hear Charles Spurgeon preach in the music hall. And so these are the words, I'll read them to you. These are the words of that young man, his testimony in, in uh, Spurgeon's autobiography. I went to the music hall, says this young guy. I took my seat in the middle of the place. Mr. Spurgeon looked at me as if he knew me. 
And in his sermon, he pointed to me and told the congregation that I was a shoemaker and that I kept my shop open on Sundays. And I did, sir. I should not have minded that, but he also said that I took nine pence the Sunday before and that out of that was four pence of profit. I did take nine pence that day and four pence of it was just the profit. But how he should know that, I cannot tell. Then it struck me that it was God who had spoken to my soul through him. So I shut up my shop the next Sunday. At first I was afraid to go in again and hear him, lest he should tell the people more about me. But afterwards I went and the Lord met with me and saved my soul. And Spurgeon goes on and writes, I could tell as many as a dozen similar cases in which I pointed at someone in the hall without having the slightest knowledge of that person or any idea of what was said was right, except that I believe that I was moved by the Spirit to say it. And so striking has been my description that the persons have gone away and said to their friends, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Beyond doubt, he must have been sent by God to my soul or else he could not have described me so exactly. I think these are descriptions of this utterance of knowledge, a sudden awareness uh, that could otherwise not have been known. Let's push on. Uh, verse 9 gives us another, uh, I think, a revelatory gift. We can understand it as such. Faith, uh, where is it? Verse 9, to another, the faith, faith by the same spirit. And I don't think this is talking about faith in general, faith that every Christian must have in order to, you know, uh, trust in Jesus and be saved. I don't think that's really the faith that we're talking about here. It's a specific faith, a sort of insight, a specific promise to claim, I think. Um, you know, Paul talks later on in, in, in chapter 13, if I had faith that can move mountains. So it seems to be a sort of certain, uh, you know, I don't know, endowment of faith uh, for a certain thing, for, for a miraculous occurrence, or, you know, sometimes it occurs during healing prayer, where someone might be, you know, praying over someone else uh, for healing, and the Lord gives, not always, but at times, a certain specific faith that this person actually is going to be healed. And I'm praying into that, and I'm I'm, I'm adding my amen to what the Spirit is doing. So, so that seems to, to um, uh, be, be what the gift of faith you know, is likely to be talking about. As I say, it's not, it's not specific here. But. Uh, and then he goes on in verse 10. Uh, prophecy. Again, another general term. He doesn't define what prophecy means here. Um, but again, as we, as we see, we'll see later on as well in the book of Acts, so forth. Uh, prophecy seems to be you know, God's word coming to his people with force. Uh, with clarity, with punch, uh, in a way that's just extraordinary and cutting. Um, and it can sometimes be uh, regarding a future event. More likely, you know, prophecy is about something that's currently happening or an issue or situation or what have you. But it's when the word of God comes in force um, and, and with such sort of particularity, I think, um, prophecy. Then he goes on to talk about discernment of the spirits. Some, some people are gifted to be able to understand what is divine, what is of God, and, and what is of uh, the evil one, what is a counterfeit uh, manifestation, I suppose. And the, the two are um, clearly uh, present. We've seen that all through our study through the book of Mark, haven't we? We've been doing that as a church over many months uh, before this series, and we've seen that, haven't we? Darkness and light just clashing together, these clash of the kingdoms. And so some people have that gift to be able to discern the two. And finally then, he talks about, in verse, 11, uh, verse 10, the interpretation of tongues. Uh, more on that at the, the final um, talk in our series. But it seems to be that some people who have the gift of praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, I suppose, um, it, the, the content of their speech isn't known to the speaker and isn't really known to any of us, really, because it's you know, described as a heavenly language, I suppose. Uh, but some people, again, are gifted by the Spirit to actually understand the content of someone else's praying or, or singing in tongues and so forth. So all of these things taken together, um, we're describing together as revelatory gifts. God making his mind, his will clear for the church in that immediate, extraordinary, impactful way. 
And I guess this, this should come as no surprise to us um, when, when we see how it all began. Um, we, we, we quite often refer back to the early chapters in the book of Acts uh, because it really does give us our marching orders in many senses. And, um, you know, when the Holy Spirit came on the church on the day of Pentecost and, they, you know, the, the, the apostles and those with them spoke in tongues and, you know, declared the glory of God and all that, um, Peter got up and explained what was going on. And you might be familiar, he used uh, this quote here from Joel chapter 2, one of the Old Testament prophets, to explain all this going on. And uh, we'll read that together. And, and, and Peter says in his sermon, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So it seems to be from this quote uh, in Peter's first sermon um, in the book of Acts, that the, the revelation, prophecy, whatever you want to call it, um, is a sign of the Spirit being poured out on the church. And it was predicted in the Old Testament, and it came to pass on that day of Pentecost. And it seems to be, uh, based on my reading anyway, uh, that the expectation of the New Testament, of these gifts continue until Jesus comes again. They're given to strengthen the church, to build it up, until Christ comes again. Part of a healthy church. I think. So that's what Revelation is based on our little brief survey here of, of Paul's writings. But before we move on to the next bit, I just want to say what Revelation is not. Because I think a lot of us, um, you know, many, many people you might meet or may, maybe you have this yourself, may have hang-ups or fears about this idea of, of, of God speaking now um, to his church immediately. And our fears often stem from, from a concern, a right concern, that prophecy or you know, these revelatory gifts, so to speak, are at the level of authority of the Scripture, or if not, in, in some cases, even higher. That They seem to sort of stand over Scripture and, and, and you know, undermine Scripture in some way or other. Um, but, but, you know, the Bible is, is clear, and, and, and Scripture itself is clear, that we have God's Word in Scripture, and, and it's written down. So we actually have the actual words that God has spoken to people and through people. And the actual words of Jesus, who is God's Son, has spoken, recorded to us. And, and, and this is of, of, of chief um, uh, authority in the church, without doubt. And, and so anything that, 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 that we feel the Spirit might be saying to us as a church or to you as an individual, um, if you're gifted in that way, must be consistent with what God has already revealed about himself clearly and obviously in the Scriptures. So, so what we're not saying here is that, 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 that prophecy or revelatory gifts are somehow on the same level of the Bible or even higher than the Bible, or just we don't need the Bible now, we've got the Holy Spirit. None of that. Um, what we are, we'll see this later as well. What, we're, what we are going to be doing is, is, is asking ourselves, how does this already um, you know, mesh or, or, or fit in with what God has already clearly stated in Scripture? Um, yes, he might be making a fresh application or a, an immediate impact, but it's important, therefore, for us in all of this conversation, uh, you know, when it comes to these revelatory gifts, to test, to search, um, to confirm from Scripture. And I suppose we can, we can, we can think um, uh, similarly of preaching, right? exactly, kind of what I'm doing now, I suppose, but, but preaching. Um, you know, the preacher is somebody who, who takes God's word, who hears, listens carefully for it, tries to understand it as best as they can, um, so, and, and then applies it to the church. Um, does the preacher hear the word of God? Yes, absolutely. 
when, when that person is, is, is studying Scripture and, and reading it and, and understanding it in context, yes, uh, we are able to hear God's Word as we, as we do that. But does the preacher, therefore, always get the application spot on? You know, does, does the preacher always uh, speak with complete infallibility? Well, we don't believe that's the case, do we? We believe that, that human, human preachers are, are laboring and, and seeking to, to represent God uh, faithfully as best they can. But, but, but you know, we're not, we're not always going to get it 100% all the time, even though we're trying and laboring to do that. Um, sometimes we mishear what's being said here, maybe misinterpret, maybe misapply, or something like that. By the grace of God, that doesn't happen very often, right? But uh, the point is that that's the same with revelatory gifts. Are we hearing God's voice? Yes, um, but, but can we misapply that? Can we mishear it? Can we misread it, so to speak? Yes, of course. And that's where training comes in and practice and experience and all the rest of it, much like preaching. The more you do it, the better you get, by the grace of God. Okay, so what is it? It is God revealing himself in this uh, extraordinary and immediate way, uh, in ways that otherwise wouldn't have been known. So that's what it is. Second question then, what does it do? Right, what's the point with all this? Is it just to entertain us on a Sunday or, or make us feel a bit um, you know, superior or something like that? Absolutely not. Um, we, we see it here in, in Scripture, actually, a number of times, again, that Sarah's read for us. Uh, flick over to for, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the second half of your, of your um, sheet. And Paul is discussing here uh, the difference between prophecy and tongues and, and the relative importance of those things in the church and the gathering. And uh, he says in, in verse 3 of chapter 14, uh, someone who prophesies speaks to, the, uh, to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, for their consolation. Okay, later on in, in verse 4, again, the one who prophesies builds up the church. And again in verse 5, um, you know, the, the one who interprets the tongues, again, sort of speaks truth uh, so that the church may be built up. So what does it do? It builds the church. It strengthens the church. That's the intended purpose. I remember myself um, a few, many years ago now, going through an incredibly tough time in ministry, uh, not in this church, don't worry, uh, a very, very tough time. There was, there was major conflict that I was unfortunately embroiled in among myself and other leaders, much of which, in fact, all of, as far as I was, I was aware, was hidden from the church. Um, but it went on for the best part of a year and a half. Very, very uh, taxing indeed and very you know, demoralizing and, and all the rest of it. And there was one email that I got one time from a member who uh, was completely unaware of any of this, like every member. And um, she said, she wrote this, this long email and said, look, I, I was, you know, during my time of prayer at home on my own, I believe God gave me a, a picture, a vision. I wanted to share that with you. So she did, and she described it. And she said, look, in, my, in this vision, this picture, I believe God gave me to you, um, was a picture of a lighthouse <laughs> shining. You know, the light was shining and just, just swirling around, doing its best on its own, out on the rocks, you know, away from the rest of the land. But she said, you know, th there was a severe amount of buffeting that was going on. There were storms crashing right on top of this thing. Um, severe gale. And so her interpretation, her, her encouragement to me was, I don't know what's going on, but I want you to know that you should just keep speaking the truth. Keep, keep speaking, keep, keep talking, keep proclaiming the truth. And at that moment, I, in this, this scenario, I found that deeply encouraging because I knew that God had heard me and he knew what was going on and he sees 
even when many other people had no idea what was happening. God knows. And I found that so strengthening, so encouraging. And right there, that was, I think, prophecy or the revelatory gift being used to build the church, to encourage, to console. And that is exactly my experience on that moment. And maybe you've had a similar experience too where someone has shared something with you. And we've seen this uh, in our study so far in this little series. We've seen how the Word builds the church. And we've seen how the sacraments, the bread and the wine and baptism, builds the church and strengthens our faith. And so then when you add these revelatory gifts and we realize that they too are designed to strengthen and build the church, just imagine the kind of church that the Holy Spirit is creating. Strong. Rich, deep. On fire. And so the more that we listen, I believe, to the voice of God in all the ways that he will speak to us, the stronger that we will become. And so it's not a case, folks, of either or. You know, either the ordinary means of grace, the word and the sacrament, as wonderful as they are, or this other sort of vague spiritual stuff. It's not that at all. It's both and. It's both the ordinary and the extraordinary. We're embracing all of God's ways to grow and strengthen the church. So why cut ourselves off um, from, from his intended uh, desires to strengthen us? How, how does that strengthening happen? Uh, when it comes to revelation, how may it happen? Well, it can happen, I suppose, in two, two realms, two contexts. First of all, church-wide. Uh, let's look at these brilliant, I love these verses here from uh, Acts chapter 13. Um, uh, gathering, it says there, in, Ant- in the church in Antioch of prophets and teachers, they were gathering together. Uh, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. See, this major missional decision where these two individuals were called and and, and, and equipped and sent was directed only by the voice of God, right? And just to be clear, it wasn't a specific Bible verse here. This was somehow or other the Holy Spirit speaking to this group um, of of, of leaders and prophets as they were worshipping and fasting. And so for us as a church, uh, we want to plant and strengthen churches. We want to make connections. Uh, We want to bless other churches in the name of Jesus. We want to, in the words of Captain Kirk, to to boldly go where no one has ever gone before with the gospel. And uh, and so therefore, uh, we want to be open to all the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to call us and equip us and direct us. Uh, and, And sometimes that might mean the Holy Spirit speaking directly to us. Yes, we believe in planning. Yes, we believe in thinking and strategy and all the rest of it. But we also believe in listening to the Holy Spirit, who might want to lead us down fresh avenues or take major turns that we weren't expecting. This is one way that the church can be strengthened through these sort of missional decisions, I suppose, and guidance of the Spirit. But then also there's the, the, I suppose, the other way that the the church is strengthened is is more on a sort of personal level, on this sort of uh, relational level. Um, We've had uh, many wonderful prayer and worship nights um, together, you know, time to time, uh, every, every, so often as a church we'll gather midweek and we'll pray, we'll worship, we'll listen to God. I always say pray with your ears open, uh, just in case he, he might speak and reveal himself. And I remember one night, uh, Sarah, who read you were there, it was the smallest prayer meeting I think we've ever had. Uh, it, was, but it was the smallest, and yet it was the sweetest. There was three of us. It was you, me, and Tim came along. And um, it was just, I, I found anyway, a very rich 
time of, 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 of sharing and encouragement. And uh, I remember, Sarah, you, you probably remember this yourself. Uh, you bought a picture. You, you, during worship, you felt that God had sort of given you a, a picture or a vision or something along those lines. And um, it really struck me. And, uh, you know, you were saying that, look, I, I've just seen this, this picture um, of, of, of little streams, you know, just, uh, you know, bu- bubbling along. And, uh, you know, um, and then, then they started to coalesce and become a larger river. And then the river started to coalesce. And eventually, uh, there was a waterfall. And um, your, your encouragement during that, in the context of a prayer meeting of three people, uh, was that these, these streams will come together. They will start to flow together. And, and there's something that God is doing um, that you don't see just now. You're just looking at the streams, but one day there will be rivers and, and waterfalls after that when his, his spirit comes and blesses what we're doing. And... Uh, that, that came at a time, and again, when, when we were very, very small, and quite honestly, I was, <laughs> I was tempted to jack it all in, you know, and uh, I just was like, God, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. It's not, it's not working out. And right there in that moment, in that tiny little prayer meeting, the tenderness of God, you know, God sees what we're doing. He, he, he speaks to his people, and he builds them up. And he did that through the body. It wasn't, didn't come to me. It came to someone else who was gifted in that area to bless the body and bless the church. So it can happen on this personal and relational uh, level as well, strengthening. And sometimes uh, it's an encouragement, like it was in this scenario. Um, sometimes it can be a hard word. You know, sometimes it can be a challenge. Uh, sometimes this uh, you know, so-called utterance of wisdom, as Paul would describe, is an is utterance of knowledge, reveals a secret sin. You know, just like it did in the case of Charles Spurgeon, that young man who was um, uh, you know, opening up on a Sunday, Victorian times. Um, you know, this hard word can come. And yet the idea with this is not just to make us feel bad about ourselves, but to lead us to repentance and lead us to receive fresh grace from Jesus again. Sometimes the word can come to us uh, about a possible future event. Sometimes it's a call to faith-filled prayer for a certain scenario. All these different ways that prophecy can build up and strengthen. Wonderful. How does it come to us then? The third question. How does this thing here, these revelatory gifts, how does it actually come to us? Um, how do we know, rather, when, when it's happening? Oh, is it happening to me? How do we know? Uh, there's a multitude of ways, and again, I just want to throw a few out there uh, for you to chew on and maybe identify with in some way. But here are some. Here are some of the ways that God's uh, you know, revelatory gifts may come to us. It may appear in the gathering. All right, it may appear when you come together, i.e. Sunday mornings or other gatherings that, that we have. Uh, it might be that through a time of, of, of sung worship, you start to notice or, or, or be aware that God is calling you uh, or giving you some sort of um, you know, impulse or, or picture or word or scripture or whatever it happens to be. Sometimes it's during the prayer. Sometimes it's even during the sermon. Uh, sometimes God uh, may speak in moments when we're pausing and we're being silent before him. And you seem to be somehow or other uh, gripped and overwhelmed by a certain sense, a picture or a a word or a a message or something like that. Sometimes it's even when you are chewing on that bread and swallowing that wine, remembering our Lord and feeding on him by faith. Again, a a moment where um, you may suddenly realize the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. 
That's, by the way, that's why uh, we always start our prayer, our, our time of worship, by saying, uh, Lord, we need your help. You know, uh, the call to worship always includes a, um, a prayer for the Holy Spirit to come and be among us and equip us and speak to us and, and work among us. Um, and so we're always expecting the Lord to do that. Um, that happens on Sundays. It happens in our prayer and worship times. You know, we might, we might receive these things. Most often it happens privately, uh, when, when you are otherwise um, seeking the Lord uh, on your own, when you're worshipping him maybe, or, or praying to him, or reading scripture, or meditating, you know, you're out for a walk with a dog, you know, up storm or something, um, and you're just again aware of the glory of God, uh, and he has again a, a message or something that he, he wants to communicate to you. Um, so that's, that's often the scenario, just so you know. It can happen pretty much anywhere. And specifically, though, then how does it come? You know, what, what is the form or the shape of it? Um, and again, it, it depends on you. It depends on, on, on the way that God has wired you up and, and, and the way he's gifted you. Uh, but we see in Scripture a whole bunch of different ways that, that God's revelatory gifts come to people. Um, we've already thought there in, in Acts chapter 13, uh, direct speech. Sometimes God will speak somehow or other directly to you uh, maybe audible to you and you alone, or audible to others. Um, but, but in either way, you know, there's a there's a there's a directness in his in his speech to you. So it's words. Sometimes it's a, a visionary phenomena, similar to what we're talking about uh, there with the, the streams. You know, a picture. Um, people see a picture, and I put, I say see because they're not always seeing it physically, as if everybody else could see it. Um, but they, they somehow or other see in a sort of spiritual realm or plane or what have you a picture, which may be static like a painting, or it may be dynamic, you know, moving, and, and, and a sort of something happening. Uh, but they convey content, they convey a message. And we see something similar in Acts chapter 10. You know, Peter is uh, waiting for, for, for tea to be prepared, and he's up on the roof, and it says he, he has this vision of these uh, unclean animals being lowered down to him, and, and God speaks and says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And it happened four times. And, and, and even, even with each repetition, he still didn't know. He had to go away and think and pray it through and, and, and reason with what was going on. But that was a visionary phenomenon. Some people describe impressions, just a sense, just a sense. That sounds vague, but it's not vague. It's not vague when it happens to you. It's a sense. You just can't describe it, but it's a sense that God um, has, has laid something on you. Uh, sometimes it's dreams that he can speak to you in. Uh, obviously, at the time you're asleep. You know, we, we, well, Acts chapter 2. Let's go back quickly. There it is. Uh, your old men shall dream dreams. Right? So dreaming is part of God's ways that he can sometimes uh, speak to uh, his people. So dreams. Um, not all dreams are necessarily from God, but it's not that none of them are either. And so again, just be aware that sometimes this can happen. Um, I actually, uh, I wouldn't say this happens very frequently at all to me, maybe once or twice in my life, but I had, I had a dream about a ministry friend of mine who... Um, was, uh, was, was preaching in a, in a, presumably a church, a building, or something like that. Uh, there he was, you know, stirring everybody up and preaching, and boom, 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 boom. And then the band came up, and, you know, and off they went into a time of worship. And in the dream, I saw a low ceiling with white, not like this, with white tiles and, and windows up one side. And when he got off the stage, his face, his whole demeanor in the dream changed. Uh, rather than being this sort of exuberant, you know, preacher guy, his face dropped, he was angry and resentful and I was in the dream I was so surprised that this is this is the same person and yet yet he seemed to be so different off off stage 
Anyway, um, a, few, a few weeks later, we ended up, uh, me and this guy in real life, not in the dream, actually having uh, you know, a, a pizza together, uh, sat down, used our Tesco vouchers and Pizza Express. And um, no one ever pays full price in Pizza Express, do they, these days? You know, it's always Tesco and other, other stuff like that. Um, anyway, we sat down having a cheap, cheap pizza or two. And uh, he said that, oh, yeah, by the way, I was, um, I was preaching at a certain, certain church the other day. And I said, that's really interesting. And um, you know, tell me about the church. Where, where, where is it? You know, expecting it to be a typical church building with a high roof and all the rest of it. You know. um, and he said, oh, they meet in a, an abandoned or like a, an ex-retail unit. And I was like, all right, that's, that's very interesting. Does it have a low ceiling and white tiles? And he's like, yes, it does. And does it have windows all down one side of the building? He's like, yes, it does. I said, well, that's very interesting. And let me just tell you of a dream I had. And I said, look, I, I, I dreamt that you were up preaching in some church. I had no idea where with, with low ceiling, white tiles and windows up the, the wall. And, um, and you, you, you seemed to be really great and in the flow. And then when you got down from that, you know, you were just angry. You were resentful. There's obviously something going on that you, you're putting on an act. And his fa- when I said this to him, his face dropped. And he said, that is exactly the church building you described that I was in a few weeks ago. And that is exactly how I'm feeling. I, 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 I feel like I'm putting on an act. And yet I feel like I'm carrying so much anger and resentment in my heart. And so we were able to, to talk about that and maybe just try and encourage him from, from God's word as well and scripture. And um, so that's maybe just one example. It's very rare for that to happen to me. But it's one, one way that, again, he knew that God saw him and he sent someone with a revelatory gift to, to go and strengthen and encourage and challenge as well. So that's another way. Uh, scripture itself, of course, uh, can be used by the Spirit. You know, again, just a scripture verse or a scripture passage of special impact and power for yourself or for someone else, um, and so forth. And uh, finally, the interpretation of tongues. Again, this awareness of what's being said by a tongue speaker, um, and again, communicated to the church. So there's a whole bunch of ways that it comes to us. All right, we're getting there. So what is it? What does it do? It strengthens us. Uh, how does it come? Multiple ways, sometimes gathered, mostly private, in, in, in all these different forms and, and many more. Finally, then, we're going to ask ourselves, what are the steps to receiving the gifts of the revelatory gifts that we're talking about here? How, how do you do it? How do you do revelatory gifts? Um, this might float your boat. This might be something you think, yes, I really want to know so I can do this. This might be something that freaks you out. And you, you think to yourself, this is, what sort of church is this? You know, telling us all to go and hear from God. You know, they're, they're, they're nuts. Uh, but I hope that you can see from Scripture that this is something that, 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 that we're reading here and it's held out to us as part of a health, healthy church. So, so uh, what are the steps then to doing uh, Revelation, I suppose, um, if we can use that term? Four steps, and you can uh, jot these down and think about these if you want. The first step uh, to doing Revelation is ask. Ask. You know, at the beginning of uh, chapter 14, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Earnestly desire it. Okay, so it begins with asking, desiring. Uh, gifts are not necessarily automatically given as to be something you have to desire and ask for. Uh, hunger for it. This is where it starts. Right? Um, gifts aren't always given. Uh, you know, we've seen this last week. The sovereign Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people as he chooses. And that's wonderful. There's one for everyone at least, if not multiple giftings for some individuals. Some people worry that if they ask, they won't get what they ask. The God will say, no, you're not having that. And so therefore they don't ask. 
Or, or some people maybe have asked once or twice and they haven't received what they were asking for and so they stopped asking. And thought, oh, that was just stupid. What was I, what was I thinking? And yes, possibly God won't give you uh, what you ask for because he's got something better in store for you. Some other gift that he wants you to have. You're asking for apples, but have you tried strawberries? But, but let's not forget, folks, that we're, this, is, this is, if God places that desire in your heart, and it's a good desire, and he's our heavenly father, and he's a good father, and he loves to give good gifts to his kids, then I would just encourage you, keep praying, keep asking for that gift. Keep asking for that breakthrough. Don't give up. Persist. As long as that desire is there, pray for breakthrough. We'll pray together for that later on. And yes, pray for yourself if that's a desire of your heart to hear the voice of your master in this way. Then keep praying for that. But even if it's not, and you, you, you know that that's not something you feel desire for, then pray for our, our church, that others will be gifted in that way. Because we want to be a community uh, that hears the voice of God and, and obeys it and responds to it. So pray, even if it's not for you, pray that, that our community will have a, a voice, a prophetic voice, so to speak. Because it benefits all of us, right? It will benefit you if someone else is gifted in that way, as it has for me. So first, ask. Second, listen. Keep your ears open. Um, and for many of us, just with a frantic pace of life and busyness of family and work and all the rest of it, we are just flying along so fast that we're never going to hear the voice of God at the pace that we're going. I say never. Sometimes he can really stop us in our tracks. But ordinarily, we'll never hear. We're just flying around too much. So listen, slow down. Get some space. All right, whatever it takes. It, it, it takes time to, 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 to hear the voice of God. Uh, you can't rush revelation. So, so do, do, do figure out how you can be consistent with resting and cultivating a space in your life to really listen, still yourself and listen to the voice of God. So whether that's in your personal devotions, you know, as you read the scripture and pray at home and worship God, uh, whether it's as we come together, either way, we can expect God to speak. Therefore, we should prepare ourselves and listen. Okay, and along with listening, I would also recommend recording what you hear or what you think you hear. Um, because often we think, oh, well, I'll remember that, and then it goes out of our minds. We don't remember that. Um, so a journal is really handy, a, 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 a voice memo on your phone, whatever, whatever way it is. You know, jot down uh, what you hear or you think you hear, and then reflect on that. Pray into it. Okay, if it's a dream, write it down. Take, take a pen and paper to bed and stick it you know, next to your bed. So if you do get woken up, um, write it down. If it's a verse, print it out. If it's a picture, a visual picture, even jot it down, you know, what, what you saw. Just the, the, the bullet points or something, just to refresh your mind again. So listen. Ask, listen. Number three, test. Test. To make sure that you've heard God clearly. All right, you haven't just misheard him. Or make sure that it's not just our own minds, somehow or other. Um, or that cheese platter that we had last night before going to bed, that could sometimes be the cause. So how do we test? How do we test that what we're hearing is from God and not just from, from ourselves? Uh, well, number one, uh, we use, as we were saying earlier, scripture. 
Uh, we use scripture to test what we're hearing. Um, again, a fairly well-known section here in 1 Thessalonians, another letter of Paul, where he encourages the church, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not, desire, uh, sorry, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So it seems to be that he's suggesting some kind of uh, testing, sifting process that may need to happen uh, when it comes to particularly prophecies and, and, and revelatory gifts. So we ask ourselves things like, you know, does this word, uh, does this revelation uh, follow the clear teaching of Scripture? Is it consistent with what we know of God, what he's revealed of himself clearly through Scripture? If it does, then, then we're on the right track. If it's completely weird and, and out, you know, out of left field, then, then we abandon uh, what we think we've heard. We put Scripture first. So, you know, uh, test by Scripture. Test, uh, secondly, by asking permission from God. How do, I, how do I do this? What do I do with this, Lord? Should I share it? And if so, with whom? All right? and, 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 and in what scenario? And when? When should I share it? Sometimes we, we think uh, a visionary uh, moment or a revelatory gift will just happen and we have to sort of blurt it out straight away. But that's not necessarily the case. Um, God may give you something that you want to pray through, feed on, you know, reflect on, and then but ask, you know, when, when should I bring this up? When should I speak to this person? Or when should I bring it to the church or, or what have you? Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't fade away, you know, just because you don't utter it straight away. Um, if it's of the Lord, it will stay and it will be strong. Um, you know, is it for me? Is this for someone else? Is this for the whole church? So forth. Uh, so, so test with scripture, test by asking permission from God, and test, you know, uh, talk to the elders as well. I don't know if you were here last Sunday. Um, Pierre came up to me, and uh, just, he felt that during worship, the Lord laid on his heart a, a specific scripture and uh, an interpretation of that scripture, a message for the church. And so he came, first of all, and he said to me, uh, during the, the songs, this is what I think, this is roughly what I, uh, I think the Lord is saying. And so I was able to then say, yes, that's great. Share that straight away. That's brilliant. Um, and so, again, you know, the Lord gives us this sort of other, I suppose, line of defense in order to, to test and make sure uh, that the word is timely and it's sound. Uh, and that's by coming to the elders, uh, i.e. myself at the stage, uh, and just, um, again, sharing and saying, look, I think I'm on point here, but what do you think? And, and how do you think this will best serve the church and at what stage and all the rest of it? So that's that. Good. Test. Fourthly and finally, and then we're almost done, uh, then do it. Then practice. Practice. You know, share that word, share that message, that insight. Um, and as I mentioned, sometimes it's in the moment. Um, sometimes it's, it's ahead, you know, something in the future that you might want to save up. Uh, you may need to send a text or an email or what have you, and it can be used in a Sunday gathering to, again, to encourage and to strengthen. Um, sometimes it can happen in our worship gatherings where there's more freedom or opportunity to, to share. Um, but we can come to these events ready with our learnings, with our insights, with our you know, scriptures or whatever, and just you know, come and say, look, I feel like the Lord has laid this on my heart this week. Do you think this would fit in well with, with where we're going in the service? And, you know, and, and so that, you know, that's a great way of doing it um, on a Sunday gathering. But also one-to-one. You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, not all of our sharing needs to be done in, in, the, in, the, in the big uh, gathering sometimes it does but sometimes it doesn't and so meeting one-to-one again uh, saying hey brother hey sister friend this thing happened I think it's a word for you I just want to uh, share it with you and then let's pray through it together uh, but with all this you know whether it's the gathering or whether it's one-to-one uh, the key is humility all right the key is humility uh, you might have heard the word of God rightly 
but maybe your interpretation is 100%. Maybe it is, who knows. But we come with humility. We don't say, thus says the Lord. God is saying this to you. We say something more like, I think the Lord is saying this, um, but please think it through. Please uh, examine it, sift it, weigh it up. And if it's of the Lord, then receive it. If it's not, then, then let it fall away. We come with humility, right? So ask, listen, test, and practice. Almost done. You know, gifts are used, right? They're to be used, they're to be received, they're to be engaged. But much like preaching, uh, using any gift takes time. And, and so you'll get better to, as you hone your skills. And of course, we might all together make some blunders or mistakes. But if we're earnestly seeking to hear the voice of the Lord and to build up the church, um, then, then let's do that. Let's lean into him. Let's, let's open our ears. And with all this, the goal is to listen to the master's voice. Uh, so that we'll hear the Master's voice and, uh, and, and enjoy what he has to say for us. He, he's, a, he's a good father, and he loves giving good gifts to his kids. Let's pray.